Welcome to Build with Rob. It is Rob Deerdeck, the host of Build with Rob, the CEO of the Deerdeck Machine, the place where we systematically fuse art, science, and magic to manufacture amazing. We tell you to see it, believe it, and do it. Because that's how you got to do it to get things done. Look, if you listen to this podcast, make sure you like, subscribe wherever you view or listen to it. Of course, we always ask you, come be a part of the show. That's what this show is all about. Let's have discussions about strategy and business and life and, and philosophies. Let's learn from each other. Let me help you evolve your ideas in life and business. Um, it's what I love to do and really enjoy most about this show. Uh, if you want to be a part of the Deer Deck Machine and build with Rob, you can go to DeerDeckMachine.com. Uh, you can pitch us an idea if you'd like. Uh, you can uh, pr- show us your business and and just be a guest on the show and ask a couple questions. Of course, you want to become a machinist and really get involved in our process. Um, you know, our latest job for the machinist was, you know, we're launching an energy bite with MindRide and we say, hey, should it be energize your mind or nutrition for your mind, right? And and everybody, including myself, gravitated uh, to energize for your mind, uh, energize your mind. But, you know, I love the idea of nutrition for your mind as another great value prop for what MindRide is as a product, uh, so we are probably going to to lead with that on, on a lot of our products going forward. But always love the machinist feedback on, on the different parts and processes of company building, creation, and growing that we do down here. So we invite all of you uh, to go to DeerDeckMachine.com and sign up to be a machinist. Pitch us an idea or uh, hit us with the questions that you would like us to help you with and come on the show. Let's do this show together. This is a show by us, for us, with us. I am essentially um, your business and life Sherpa, you know, and and for me, one of the things that, that I really uh, want to evolve with the show is really getting people to, to pitch their vision, right? Like I, I want to start breaking the show up where it's like, hey, hit, hit me with your vision for your business, like 60 second, you know, minute long two minute long pitch about your vision for what you're hoping to accomplish before uh, you hit me with the question and then, and then, and then hit me with the life vision. You know, it's like, I'm really want to hear and start having people start thinking about how to, how to put a vision to their life, right? We say, see it, believe it, do it. See it is put a vision uh, to it. Believe it's the plan The do it's the action. You've heard me say it over and over as I end this podcast, but I, I want to explain kind of what that means to me, right? Like I'm created the vision for my life, uh, in 2015, super specifically. And, and part of that was the vision for the Deer Deck Machine, my business. I built both of these visions, uh, designed both of these visions and created them at the same time so that they were fully integrated. Cause the idea is, you want to build a life vision that encompasses what you truly want to achieve in life. And if you are an entrepreneur, your business is part of that achievement. And designing them together and integrating them, then growing them together is when you find true success. 
Because you don't want to have an amazing business vision and dedicate your life to it and then end up um, sacrificing time and balance and happiness and all these things where, oh, yeah, you have this success, but your life is in chaos, uh, but your business is thriving. The, the whole idea is create a vision for your life and business, integrate them together and grow into your amazing life, right? That That's what I'm really trying to get people to think about and and evolve their way of thinking. And you just got to start. You just got to start. You know what I mean? It's easy when you're an entrepreneur for your business vision, you know, and, and obviously um, you've got to um, create a product, a service, an idea that doesn't exist. So you've now uh, created a vision for what you want to create and why, and then you have to put together a plan, a strategy, a business model, uh, all of these different things in order to build this business and make it successful and sustainable. And, and your life uh, should be no different, you know. And for me, in 2015, man, I, I did some deep soul searching and 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 self-discovery before I created my plan. And, and, you know, I think that, that you should also spend the time to do the same, you know, to ultimately, what do you want, um, out of life? What do you want out of a business? And for me, you know, I really realized, man, I love creating businesses. Um, but I don't necessarily like when I get bogged down and operating all the businesses. And that gave me the clarity of like, man, you want to create a business that creates businesses, then you can create the system that that creates them, finds the right partners, create gets the capital for them and launches them and then then grows them into where they operate themselves, right? That was sort of the vision because I knew that that's what I love to do the most. And then ultimately I set my goals behind that. Like I am going to build 30 to 50 businesses that um, I sell um, between 50 million and 150 million. And my goal was a billion dollars in liquidity, right? And, and, and extraordinarily specific. But what that also led me to, to understand is like, okay, that means you have to be a co-founder. You need to uh, finance the early stages of the business so that you can maintain between um, you know, 20 and 50% of all of the businesses that you partner with and create in order to get to that level, right? And then I decided at that same time that I wanted to lead this fully balanced present life with my family and enjoy life to the fullest Why I, as I set off on uh, building and creating the Deer Deck Machine, you know? And, and part of that was you know, I wanted uh, to build the Deer Deck Machine into this successful, sustainable business that creates business. Um, you know, even back then, wanted to create a fully integrated, multi-platform universe of media and brands, right? That would be content and philanthropy and eventually it became community as it evolved over time. But it was still the essence of the vision of what I wanted to create. And then for me... You know, I identified the home that I wanted to live in 
and the house that I wanted to build, how I wanted to spend my time. I knew back then that the strategy was going to, I was going to invest my capital in, in building the machine and these high-risk ventures. And then I was going to balance that with having a portfolio of cash flowing real estate. And then I would keep my personal living expenses within the cash flow of my real estate portfolio. All of that was mapped out in 2015 with specific numbers and goals and milestones that I needed to get to. The vision was set. And then I went out and did it, you know, and as um, each year went by and and through you know the evolution that occurs through through taking risks and micro failures and and learning um, and adapting and evolving and seeing more clear and have a better of understanding the entire vision itself began to evolve and become more dynamic more complex more believable i understood it better like the time frames of achievement what it takes to to do all the things that i actually wanted to do became so much more clear and then as i gained that clarity i mobilized and worked harder and was more motivated towards growing all of that which accelerated the path to find the actual ideal existence that i live in today after having that vision, right? And, and even though I get to, to this point to where I am living the vision that I had uh, created in 2015, I, you know, I continue to see further. I continue to see clearer and the vision just keeps evolving over time. And that, that's the beauty of just starting with a vision for your business and your life. Right, you just gotta start. You integrate them, and it will evolve over time. It will reveal itself to you over time. You will learn as you go, but ultimately, it is going to be the best way to begin to build a life and evolve into the life that you've always wanted. Because it is the process, and it starts with seeing it. Because you gotta look out into the future and define what you want and then build the pathway to get there. So that's going to be sort of a new change in sort of how we do the show and the format. Hit us with the business vision uh, and a business question, then hit us with a, um, a life vision and and a question about life. And, and as someone that's lived it, done it, and continually evolving and growing and, and, and optimizing all aspects of his life, including how to get clarity on further uh, being better at being a visionary of your own life, it's what I, I really want to do is, is help people to start thinking like this and take this approach, you know. So without further ado, our very first episode uh, in this new in this new revised format and structure, uh, has two great entrepreneurs um, that have great questions and and great vision. So let's jump right into it. Jacob McLaughlin, welcome back to Build with Rob, man. But hey, before we get cooking here, um, just makes me so happy. Makes me so happy that that we could exchange ideas and that ultimately you would take action on it and be right back here with an entirely new pitch. Uh, so, hey, what I'd love to do to start this sort of segment off is 
is kind of do a quick overview of your previous idea, kind of what you learned and evolved, and then then hit me with the the pitch of the latest and greatest vision for your new idea. Yes. Yeah, so, and obviously, I appreciate you having me back on. This again is incredible. Um, the the last vision, as you know, it was Zolu, which sounded a lot like Zillow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that <laughs> wasn't greatest to play right there. Um, but before it was more focused on the company making money and having the largest profits rather than giving to sellers and realtors who are going to be, you know, the base of all the business. So what something we changed, obviously the name and, uh, we changed everything else except for the vision. Um, we're now, instead of keeping 100% of the bid, we're only going to keep 25% of it. And that 75% is going to go to the seller after there's a successful closing Um, We now have a full stack developer building a website, um, hoping for an MVP very soon on that. Okay. Before you get in, before you get in, for those that don't fully understand, right? Like, so Zolu was ultimately, hey, allowing people to bid on listings, but ultimately all the money went, went to you and the actual seller didn't get anything out of it. Uh, so I, of course, hit you with the advice of like, no, let the sal- seller, like you basically pay the seller um, for their uh, for the opportunity for their listing. And, you know, the whole idea of never give away your listing again, you know what I mean, is what I fired off on there, uh, which you really took to heart. Right. So so lay out. Um, let's let's go with the entire new vision. And just from the very beginning, like for those that don't have never even heard about what the opportunity is, give us sort of the 60 second version of what the business vision is that you have now. Yeah. So obviously, like like you said, a lot has changed. Um, now what will happen is we'll have subscribing realtors and you'll be able to pick your market. So I don't know, maybe 30 miles circle around where you are would be considered your market. And when a seller wants to sell their home, they'll come to Smirk and they'll put all the information in, um, the size, square footage, all the good stuff. And then the realtors, it'll be released to them and they'll have an opportunity to offer the seller money in return for getting that listing. And previously, Zolu was going to keep all of that money, but now there's um, a huge value add for sellers because now they have the opportunity to get paid to list their home rather than just you know giving it away to the the billboard they saw driving home. Uh, they there's actually a value add for them now, and realtors can break into a market now because I remember when I started, I couldn't do much of anything. I realized there's a big barrier to entry, so you know with a smaller listing, if you have you know, two, three hundred dollars and it's not very competitive in your market, you can make a name for yourself very quickly as a new realtor. Yeah. Look, I it feels good. Feels good. You know what I mean? It's it, it it's it's tight now, right? In the sense of like yes. it's unique. It's it has a clear value proposition to the to the person that's overlooked the the most, which is the seller. And now it's like, hey, it's not about a referral. It's about like like who's going to pay you the most and who's the highest quality, right? So it's like, exactly. you know, you're because you still as a, as a seller have a lot to sort of figure out, right? Or because it's like, you know, you 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 don't want to just the highest bidder depending on how it's done. So my question to you is how are you doing the structure as you relate to the vision of it? Like where it be. So when you make the bid, let's say you just, you're going to pay $300 for the listing and you won. What are you doing with the $300 right now? So right now, originally when you put an offer in the realtor and the seller are going to have 48 hours to talk. 
And because, you know, even if you win, it still might not be the greatest fit. Maybe your values are different. Your idea for the sale is different. And it might just, you know, it might not work out. You might not see eye to eye. So right away, Smirk for connecting you will keep 5%. So if it's a $100 uh, referral, we keep $5 no matter what, non-refundable. And after those 48 hours, the realtor and the seller will get a quick email and they'll have an opportunity to say, yes, I want to work together or no, I don't want to work together. And um, if they want to work together, then another 20% will be taken by Smirk. That other 75% is going to be held in the escrow account. And I was also curious um, your thoughts on this rather than just giving it to the seller right away, because I mean, it's, it would be rare, but if something happens and the seller does back out, I don't want the realtor to lose all of that money. So my thought was to keep that 75% in escrow. If there's a successful close, the seller gets it. And if you know something happens, the seller backs out, they decide not to move. I think it would be fair for that uh, that money to go back to the realtor. I was actually curious of your thoughts on that. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't, I don't think you play that game, right? I think it's too complicated. It's too much. And at the end of the day, I do think you put stipulations and, and contracts in there. I don't think you p- take five percent right. in the beginning. I think you you land on a number. You know, twenty five seems pretty steep. You know what I mean? But um, you know, I would test that with different realtors and see see what they say. But at the end of the day, you you would rather just take zero. They connect. They have forty eight hours to to decide if they want to do it. If they decide to move forward, then the seller gets all the money, and then you get your cut immediately. And because okay. to me, you're buying that listing, right? And what comes yes. along yes. with that purchase is a time frame. You could have it. You could say, "Hey, I'll pay two hundred for three months exclusivity, or I'll pay a thousand for one year exclusivity." You know, wh- whatever it ends up being, I think like you have some of those more simple, sort of contractual obligations kind of happen in that transaction. You know what I mean? And yes. and then 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 now you're you're more or less if the buyers are backing out, then they're in this sort of sort of liability issue of owing that money back to um yes, the realtor but you got you want to eliminate the like the layers here you know what i mean like like to me what i love it wouldn't make any sense um as it relates to like keeping the money in escrow till the house closes because then then it would be an entirely different business then you would say hey i i you could create a business that says i would give you 10% back of my fees after closing. Then realtors okay. could be negotiating that way because closing is easy. But being willing to give up money up front, now the realtor's taking the risk and the realtor's going to pay more because they believe that they could sell it quicker and faster type of thing, right? Because I think a couple other things you got to think about too is the pricing of the house. You guys got to agree on the pricing of the house, right? And these just like general sort of things, you know, because you can't, you can't, someone can't come in and pay a thousand dollars for a listing and you say, I want to sell it for $2 million and the comps in the neighborhood are like 1.2, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, you, you just got to think through all of those sort of little things. But I think that that, um, you know, I I think it's right in there and you want to make it as easy as possible. And, and I don't think it's a, a, a matter of, of, you know, signing up realtors like, or, or it's, it's a platform for realtors, right? So it's like, really, you're, you're trying to go out and acquire sellers to put their house 
listing for sale to brokers on this platform, right? Like, so your focus needs to be on them. Of course, all of the realtors are going to end up on there, like, because they want to be able to have access to purchasing purchasing those. And even as I say that, even as I say that, and I didn't think about this in the beginning, but as I said it out loud, if you get the right amount of sellers on there, it might be worth charging a subscription fee for re- realtors, right? So what is it for them to pay $20 a month to be able to have access to make bids to these um um, buy these different listings. It might be something that might be worth it too, where you could you could double dip on the revenue side of it, and and really really be you know continually be sort of seller focused. You know what I mean? Um, in, in the sense of like the potential of of what that idea is. So look, I, I think you 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 did a great thing. I do I do want to read something to you uh, that I wrote down here that I thought maybe you would find uh, a a little bit interesting, right? It's a quote now. It says, to smile in an irritatingly smug conceit or silly way. To smile in an irritatingly smug conceit or silly way is the definition of smirk. Yes, correct. You know what I mean? So I know at last time, you can't catch a break with me. I know last time I told you like <laughs> Zolu sounds like another version of Zillow. I only say that smirk feels, makes you, to you like, you know, smirk, you know, makes you feel happy and like smirk feels smug, right? And and so, you know, I I... I like it. I like the way it's spelled in a name and concept, but I, again, I only go back to tying the, the, a, a name doesn't necessarily like Zillow doesn't mean anything. It just sounds good. So it, you know, it could be any type of, of name that's unique, but smirk just is <laughs> like, it's like, it has sort of a negative sort of connotation. And I'm not saying you even, you have to overly think that that was just like, as I'm like, Ooh, like I, I'm like, why does smirk make me feel like it's this kind of smart ass, like sort of gotcha <laughs> type of vibe. So yes, uh, yes. just something that, that I would think about, but I, but I know you got a business question for me, man, hit it. Yeah. So uh, my business question is, um, I mean, you've built so many companies, you've done so many things. And I was just curious, what's the hardest thing you've ran into and how did you get past it? Oh, look, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's never one hard thing. They are always, um, they're all hard. Right. And, and, but, but for me, and I think you need to think about this, like, you know, what, what's going to be the hardest thing for you? It's going to be someone, you getting somebody to believe in the idea and then, and then giving you the money to go build it. And then going through the trial and error of getting this to work and getting people to commit and, and going through, uh, learning how to acquire sellers and the, the pain and the process for all of that. And, and to me, like when you got a business like this, you can really focus in on sort of a, a, a matrix of numbers that will be, your key performance indicators and and clear indicators of the the potential strength of your business, right? And and I think you started off really well. Uh, in, in your latest pitch, you talked about, hey, there's, um, I want to say it was, you know, 
um, the 6.5 million homes sold. If we did 10%, that's, you know, that's 17,000 a day. 10% is, is a hundred dollars per listing. Like, you know, 25%. It's like, it's like, that is that type of number is, is incredible, incredibly accurate. You know what I mean? And I think that like, like building your business behind those sort of KPIs of like, Hey, we need to get, um, like 20 a month um, to, to get to sustainability, 50 a month, whatever, whatever it is, or 20 a day to get to sustainability. It's like, you've got to break your business down into like, not only the core metrics of how you're going to put people on the platform and monetize them. And then I think you've got to put together the clear path to how you're going to get both realtors and sellers on there. And I think you okay. start regionally. You know what I mean? Because I think like, you know, in PA, you know, if there was 6.5 million houses sold, like I looked at PA, it was like 17,000 or something, right? Like it, it was um, a, a pretty like much lower number. And I don't know how exactly how accurate that was, but mm-hmm. it's, it's still this idea that, you know, for you, you want to dial in like not only um, your core numbers to get you to sustainability, but then what type of money you would need to get there. And then you're going yeah. to get that money if you can then share with with investors and uh, about how you're going to attack with a tactical strategy to acquire both the realtors and the sellers in a believable way that you've already tested, right? And I think yeah. that ends up being regionally. But, you know, you put all that together, you're you're going to be able to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that happen in business when you just try to go big and wide. I'm going to launch yeah. an app and try to like, like see if every realtor and every seller will just find it. And really yeah. in the beginning, it's going to have to be word of mouth and locally, you know, like just yeah. targeting people to get on there and never pay, you know, because all you got to do is target advertising never get, give away your listing again, then let all the realtors know that, Hey, I'm, this is what I'm doing and getting. So you're going to have an opportunity to bid on these listings as I get them in. And, and I would say even in the beginning to build it, you could, you could be a lot more grassroots where you start to collect those listings as they come in and start sending them out to realtors and say, Hey, you can bid on these that in, in the next, in the coming weeks, like this is, you know how smirky smirk works and you can, <laughs> and you can do it. But, but I think that's how you got to be thinking about this and, 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 and put that together. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And that makes perfect sense because like you said, if you, if we try to go across the entire country right away, it, it won't last long. Money will run up quickly, but if you could, you know, make some noise around it in, you know, locally, and then it goes to the next MLS and the next town and next County, it could spread across the state. And then, you know, eventually get across the entire country rather than just, like you said, going big and wide and falling in our face. That's it, man. And you can do that. That's more, that's, that's easier for you to do is to win your local area with this. That that's, that's the, and then you'll learn everything that you need to do to begin Mm -hmm. to scale that. You know what I mean? So love this, love where it's evolved. You know what I mean? I think it's more, more doable. It's, you know, it's when you got a great vision and then when you back out of that vision and began to put a plan in order and see how it all layers together, that's where the belief ends up. 
Now it's like, wow, this this really will work, right? And you get clearer on what you can do, then it's the do it, right? Now you got to go out and do it and start learning and and evolving and getting into it. But you make me very proud. You make me very proud. Um, Again, I I appreciate being on because if I wasn't on last time, I'd still be on the the same path as before. And obviously we know that wouldn't have gone very far. But again, thank you. Okay, look, I would love for you to hit me with your life vision as it relates to your your new uh, new business concept. And, and what are you looking at uh, in today at this age of what, what, what the future looks like for you? Uh, for me, it's, you know, it, it sounds pretty simple, but at the end of the day, I'd like to be happy. I'd like to take care of my family, my loved ones around me, um, serve God, and, you know, just be able to give back like you are with this. Uh, you built an incredible business or incredible businesses name for yourself and you're on the podcast right now. I'm sure you have a million other things to do and you know, you're helping people like me. So I really look up to you in that way. And I hope that my life eventually can be similar to yours in that way that I could actually get on and help somebody or, you know, maybe invest with somebody and make their dreams come true rather than, you know, the typical way where people make a lot of money and then keep it all to themselves. I hope my life turns into something like that. Yeah. And look, and, and, and to that point, like you got to start with like seeing how you would like your life to be. And this is the first step. And I, and I think, you know, happiness is broad. You got to go out and define what happiness is to you. You know what I mean? Like you, you want to eventually evolve into, to, to, to being more supportive of those around you. Look at how the, your business and the pathway of, of what you want to create and do leads to that over time. All of these things that you sort of laid out, uh, it's just a matter of beginning to think about them and understand how you can begin to put plans to growing with them. So ultimately you grow uh, your company and your life in the same direction. So you can uh, fulfill the vision as you, as you laid it out. But I do think you got to keep continually define what happiness is to you and, and make sure that you're constantly growing and evolving towards that, uh, because that'll be sort of an endless evolution that you'll be able to do. So hit me with the life question. My life question, like I said, I, the beginning of my last question was you built incredible things, but I'm curious if you could go back to, you know, when you got into skateboarding or dropped out of high school to, to go skateboard, would you change anything or are you completely happy with how everything has turned out in your life? Well, I, I mean, I'm certainly happy on how everything yeah. has turned out. Right. And <laughs> and obviously there's there's a lot of things that I have experienced that are also incredibly unique. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, quitting high school and going to Europe by yourself at 16 years old for the world championships and Munster, Germany, and getting fourth in the world championships after you Ollie Impossible lip slide the handrail in front of 20,000 screaming fans. The sacrifice is I lacked education and understanding of money and, and business and all of these different things that I had this passion for and wanted to evolve into, which led to, you know, uh, many exciting years uh, as a professional skateboarder and a bad business person, you know, and, and, (laughs) but at the end of the day, I, I think I, I'm, if I truly feel like if I could change anything, it would have been a deeper commitment to, teaching myself more and, and being more into to, to evolving myself and personal development and reading more books. Like I just dabbled right. in it, you know, like I just never appreciated 
like like I was going through natural evolution and growth based off of experience with most which most people do versus like a more systematic approach to evolution and growth um that I've done over the last you know five six years that's created this immense amount of of evolution and rapid growth into a life way beyond what I ever could have imagined because you got to think I became the person I am today in uh you know five six years you know I was still even in my late 30s after all the success lost because I hadn't fully ever put a design to my life and a vision to how I wanted to be and what I wanted to become and it wasn't till I did that and then began on the journey was I able to evolve and grow it into what it is today so you know, it's certainly a life without no regrets because I've done some pretty like wild and amazing and, and fun <laughs> things. But I certainly, you know, for someone at your age where you're already in that process and you're having these type of conversations, you know, this, this, what, this is what I want for someone like you. Like be forced to like lay out a life vision so you can just begin to even thinking about it. You know what I mean? And looking at like, like life and business holistically so that they can grow together for the long term. So look... Loved having you back. Loved the idea. Think about that name. Let's not be smug. Yeah. Think about that name. Uh, and, and you know, hit us with the updates as you get things rolling and everything gets going. Yes, definitely. I will. And again, thanks so much for having me on. It's, you know, really incredible. All right. Till we meet again. Till we meet again. Be good. My Fred Mementi, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you, my friend? Great, man. It's a pleasure. All right. Look, uh, I'm glad, glad to have you here. Look forward to discussing your concept of flow still. Please um, give me the the 60-second, minute-long vision for what flow still is. Yeah, uh, real quick context. Um, me and my best friend, now business partner, Jeremy Herrick, uh, we created this lifestyle brand a couple years ago in an effort to combine our business acumen with like our personal interests. We just wanted this avenue to you know explore and touch on both of these things. Uh, it was Boundless Flux. And that integrated us into the freestyle soccer or freestyle football community as it's more known worldwide. Um, and over the years, just being integrated with that community, we noticed, you know, you can't turn off the business mind so much. You notice gaps here and there, like that's missing. This could be done better. So that's where Flow Steel was inevitably born, the idea for it. This member-based uh, member platform for freestyle footballers to, one, connect with others like them, grow and expand on their skills with one another, build, foster the community growth as well as, you know, have access to all these resources that we've been building already for a few years, but wanted to package into this new company, this new brand and expand on them over time. Yeah. And, and, and look, you know, I, a couple things, um, you know, kind of hit me, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm a freestyle footballer, but I played a lot of soccer when I was young, you know what I yep. mean? So I feel like, you know, my kids play soccer right now, you know, so I'm oh, fully awesome. committed as like a soccer dad coach right now. Um, so I've been out there juggling the ball, doing my tricks, you know what I mean? As, as I just mess around there. Uh, in fact, after I shoot this show, I'm going, got to go pick up my kids and take them to soccer practice. Um, but you know, something that kind of struck me was the size of the market. You know what I mean? I, it, it's this idea that, that it's still, you know, uh, 15,000 people is a very, very small market. You know what I mean? And so that's basically like your addressable market that you have to like put on the platform now. And then you would have to grow people into um, freestyle footballers, right? Is essentially, otherwise you, there's, I would say it's almost impossible to create a business 
Um, and if you look at your competition, I found it incredibly fascinating for freestyle, uh, who has 116,000 followers on Instagram. And you kind of had mentioned that you felt like, oh, they're, they're super commercial, um, and trying to sell product. But, but to me, um, they're doing it in, in probably the smartest way, right? Because, because of the size of the market, they're basically serving all of these potential needs and creating all of these revenue streams, right? So they're not only creating coaching, but then they got their own footwear. They got their own freestyle football footwear. You know what I mean? Like all their different sort of bags to carry it and all these different things. So I looked at that as like, well, wow, these guys, these guys really, um, you know, really attacked how, how to create a community and monetize it on a lot of different levels. Because when, when, when you think about monetizing the app, um, do you think about trying to monetize it through subscription or through ad dollars? Uh, so in the beginning, it would be free for all members to join. Gets a lot of people in first too, but it's also a principle that we believe that, you know, the knowledge, those resources I mentioned, talking about helping people learn to be better freestylers, expand their skills. We believe like knowledge should be free for everyone. Uh, in the future, as it expands, there's more tools added on there. There's more features to the platform. Then there could be a couple tiers of so paid options, of course. But the initial revenue would come in from the, the sponsor side, working with brands, having them promote maybe their partners, premium partners for us, working off that side of things. Uh, we also envision much more in the near term, a marketplace as well. And to comment on a little bit on the for freestyle uh, yeah, technically they'd be the closest thing we'd call a competitor, but we also view them more as someone we'd want to work with because they are doing things a little differently. We aren't thinking about products right now. Sure, like you can think merch down the line, you get you get big, everybody wants to represent you and you can do your own product lines, of course. But in the meantime, or in the interim, like they're already doing it well. They got their footwear, they got the balls, they got everything to address the freestylers. We'd want them on the platform. We want them to be a partner. And the app that they're building um, it's, it's a closer resemblance of like Instagram specifically for freestylers, but what we're doing is a bit different and the way we're approaching the resources and the knowledge and that we don't want to hide it behind any kind of paywall or anything like that. And if we really focus on the community, it's the social aspect first, because it's such a good community. So kind to one another, all about learning and um, for anyone too. And part of the bigger vision too, about just inspiring more people to just pick up the ball. Cause that's all you need just a ball and just to become freestylers and expand their skills. Yeah. And, and look, so to me, you know, the, the brutal honesty is it's going to be nearly impossible to create a financial and business model from the ad side and the sponsor side, right? Because it's just going to be so small, right? And, and I think you, I think you, that will hit you like a ton of bricks once you go through the process of developing and then go to look for that, um, sponsors and ad dollars. And then they ask how big is the reach? What is the audience? And the scale isn't there um, right now. And, and what you need, you because it starts first with like, what's the passion, right? Like you actually love freestyle football and like you and you practice it, your partner practice it. And like, it's this really amazing, cool, fun thing that sits right next to soccer and soccer is massive, right? And, and freestyle isn't even like really a thing, um, as it's related to, to the United States, right. And, and at scale, as it's related to the way you've presented it in the, in the 15,000 sort of people. And so for me, when I think about how do you, how do you take this energy and your background and, and having a business, uh, education and, you know, I start thinking about how I approach street league. 
right? Where by creating like the league and then we did trick of the year and all these highlights and all these different things. I'm almost like, man, is there an opportunity for you to build like freestyle football competitions, right? And like, then here's how you could scale that so, so beautifully is now you could go piggyback with all of the different like, um, soccer organizations and be like, Hey, on, on Saturday nights, like we're doing different age groups of a freestyle competition, you know, all the parents and the kids and everybody would connect like that. Like this would be this, this, this unique way and sort of grassroots way for you to build like a uh, freestyle football and ultimately capture all of those um, individuals as being part of your community uh, that you could possibly build. Have you ever ever considered like approaching something it more from that factor uh, as potentially a competition? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and we're quite familiar with Street League too. Uh, watching a lot of uh, your stuff coming up, you know. I wanted to ask you about something too, uh, more a point of a clarification as well. Um, on the competition side, though, first, definitely, for sure. And uh, a part of what's more known here in the U.S. from that side and what makes a lot of money would be uh, Red Bull. They actually host the annual freestyle competition, uh, uh, street style competition uh, here. And that, that's huge for them. So that's definitely um, even uh, thinking longer term, a potential buyer if we wanted to, to exit a company like this, if they wanted to capture their audience year round, aside from just the events. Um, even hosting our own events too, but the events are a huge aspect of meetups. People love meeting up and just, you know, working, vibing off one another, uh, doing freestyle. Um, as for the addressable market, uh, the 15,000 number I wanted to clarify was more for the, I would call them like a like professional mm. freestylers, but that wouldn't be the only people the platform would be for. Uh, they would be ones that we were imagining kind of like a tier two of uh, being able to highlight who's like actually doing it professionally versus who's doing it um, recreationally. Yeah. Right. So we might have, and would definitely want to capture over 50% more of those professionals and have them represent on the website. You know, I have a certain badge that says I'm the pro I'm, I'm competing. I've got awards and whatnot, but we're talking about an audience of millions, hundreds of millions and more that just freestyle for fun. And they would be on there to one, learn from the resources we provide as well as learn from these professionals directly. And when we're thinking we have an audience of that size, it becomes attention arbitrage. When you've just got eyeballs on your platform, people are inevitably going to want to monetize on there. Yeah. And that's where we're thinking about the sponsors and the ad revenue eventually. But of course, a few other ways as well. But that I just wanted to clarify a point of we we're imagining a lot, a lot bigger than just catering to not only the professionals but everybody who wants to learn. Yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah, that that's my bad for 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 missing that 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 number because yes, fifteen thousand is is extraordinarily. Um, it's not even like what fifteen thousand is like people in your town. Um, but yeah, I'm I look at that from the scale, and then you can really look at 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 what for freestyle is as scale, right? So if they've done it for a while and got to like a relatively significant way at, at, at sort of their following and their sort of size, you can still, you still have a better understanding of, of the overall size of the market. You got to think even something like street league and how big skateboarding was still incredibly difficult uh, to, for us to get ad dollars. So incredibly difficult because the, the audience, even though it has the scale, it's not quite at, um, it, to the point where there's a there's a mass amount of dollars to support that type of thing and 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 again i'm i think you know the red bull is a uh competition is, is almost like the olympics 
right? Like if you could build the tiered system that like basically gets people to there, you know what I'm saying? And, and, or, you know, creates a pathway from, from your local, um, soccer community all the way up to eventually becoming a professional. I think, I think there's so much for you to own inside that ecosystem, um, that, that could be a better potential business model than ad dollars. Right. And, and, and especially organizing groups together and, and, and sort of having practices and competitions and doing it chasing a similar model to what soccer organizations do and collect all of that and if you get that to scale then somebody that rolls up all the different organizations and the fees associated with that would potentially be acquired to you as well as as a big marketing vehicle like red bull but i i look i i think you know i think you like owning it and you know one thing that we did uh with street league that was super big was we just did toddy trick of the year so we just allowed every single, like anybody from any walk of life to tag their trick on Instagram and they were entered into trick of, trick of the year where there was a $10,000 first prize, you know, and, and, and it just got activated the entire global skateboarding community because it was them like, like trying to like, like put up what they think is the, the hardest trick to win that money. Right. And, and so I think... Like, you know, having that like sort of uh, unique approaches like that and, and, and trying to create more of an ecosystem of building that community and getting everybody on, because there's no doubt you could do that through your social media platforms first mm-hmm. before necessarily needing to spend all of the money to build out your own platform and trying to convert people all the way over. I mean, you got to think we launched ETN a live subscription platform and um we had clear metrics right it was super clear metrics we had we knew how many people watched our live events around 350,000 people uh we knew uh we were better off like rather than uh, you know, being our live window on ESPN or Fox, like we should own that live window and charge people for it and uh you know, we know that there's you know, 5 million active skateboarders and we get, you know, 350,000 to watch our live events and a couple million over time to watch the events long-term. We're going to launch this app and put this uh, subscription to watch our world-class best of the best battle it out. And we still never got more than, you know, we got like, you know, a pretty decent amount of downloads of people to that platform, but never got more than like, you know, 15,000, 20,000 subscribers, and then eventually just went back to keeping it on, uh, for free on YouTube and on ESPN. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, you know, I, I only say to the, how difficult it is to get people on a platform where meeting them at their platform and something like Instagram, um, and building a community and doing stuff like, you know, uh, you know, you know, put up your best trick and then ultimately having local meetups and competition and figure out how to scale that and let your brand be connected with those meetups 
and that mm-hmm. that sort of connection. And if you organize those and have an entry fee and a a prize, now you got people really motivated, and now you have sort of a revenue source and sort of a a unit economics as it relates to the number of participants in in regional and, and event based sort of stuff. So that that's just something that I think. I would think about if I was you just because that's there is so much potential in it, but you don't want to get stuck putting all this energy into something that's expensive. And then it's the process of getting bodies onto the app, getting them to download it and then connect with, especially when like the community itself is somewhat disorganized, right? And there isn't some sort of like freestyle football main place that everybody comes and meets up, which you could eventually become. And, and, but again, I do think you think about approaching that from, from, from the ground, a a more grassroots perspective, you know? Yeah, I I agree. All right. Look, hit me with your life vision, man. An educated man is just like following his passion and know he was meant to do an entrepreneurial venture. I would love to, to, to hear your sort of vision for what you'd like to do in life. Yeah, man. Um, so I guess it's on, you know, considering myself and my partner to, um, like I call like true or true born entrepreneurs. It's just, uh, having our lifestyle and careers. And I think we just call it business. If you want to, to cap it, uh, just be a reflection of how our minds work and how our interests are aligned. Right. And that's the kind of person who is working on two or more projects at any given time, but that's not scattered from the outside from someone who doesn't get it. It might look, uh, it might look messy or they might look distracted, but for us, it's, uh, everything's optimized. Everything is systems they are delegated or they're automated. And that's just what we're doing because we're exploring a bunch of the interests. We're not one single minded tunnel vision on something only when it matters. Of course, you could turn that on, but otherwise you, you explore everything you're into. And, but of course, you know, without the capital, the first few successes, you got to work your way up there. So, um, but that, that's the overall goal. That's the vision. And, 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 uh, and ultimately for you is, is the vision like, Hey, if, like I want to get married, have kids, have a sustainable lifestyle, like want to be able to, to have success in an entrepreneurial adventure and then move on to the next one. You know, would you want this to be what you do for the next 20 years, next five years? Like, how are you looking at the business when you look about sort of the future of, of what you hope to accomplish? Yeah. For flow steel. And like I mentioned, handling, like juggling a couple things and pun intended, um, it would be one of a couple that I'd be running at the same time. I'd love to grow flow still to the full vision and beyond. And like, uh, another side thing, like, uh, my partner, I'm really bullish on the next generation of web as well. So we were thinking of like web three principles to even implement into flow still to get back to the creators who contribute there. Um, but I want to run it for, you know, five, even 10 years. Yeah. Until we reach it to a point where, okay, now it's better off. If it's going to continue to grow, somebody else needs to take over the reins. You hand it off when it's meant to be handoff to grow further if you become the constraint, but because we're so passionate about it, something so uh, meaningful to us, I'm going to hold on to it for as much as possible, but it's not going to be the only thing I do. I'm going to delegate to a team. I'm going to hire, I'm going to automate systems as much as I can. And so I'm going to be working on a couple other ideas I have. I'll be doing two, three things and, you know, jumping around places, traveling. That's, that's kind of the the vision. Yeah. And look, and, and I just implore trying to get as much clarity as you can on, on, uh, your three and five years, even when it seems difficult, because you're just head down trying to figure out what's going to work. Uh, because ultimately, when you begin to have uh, create ideas and business ideas and a life simultaneously, you get better at both. You know, and a lot of times, young entrepreneurs just focus on, um, you know, wanting 
uh, to be successful so per- like as like this singular focus and then I'll figure out life at a later date. And I'm just on a mission to get uh, really smart guys like yourself to really think about them as one and integrate them so that they grow together. You know what I mean? Hit me with your question, your life question, man. I know you got a good one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this one actually comes from my partner, Jeremy Herrick. Uh, so if you happen to be off schedule and your rhythm of existence, as you call it, uh, it turns arrhythmic, then how do you recover given the fullness of your schedule already? Or more specifically, what would you sacrifice in this scenario to get back on track, back on schedule with minimal damage to your overall well-being? Yeah, and, and look, you know, I think the the beauty of something like the rhythm of existence is it's 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 built in this structure where there's sort of these constants, right? Things that happen no matter what. It's weekends, it's birthdays, it's holidays, right? And then then you begin to layer on these sort of aspects of it um, that provide you um, with a higher output and more efficiency, right? And that's, you know, getting up earlier That's that, and doing your workouts and meditation and brain training and all that before uh, the day starts for a lot of people. And, and okay, now that h- hardly ever gets compromised. Now you have sort of this rhythm of how you communicate uh, with your team and how you spend time with your wife and your family. And for mine, it's highly balanced and super purposeful. Then the layer on top of that is mind share. Then what's what's pulling energy from you? Because, you know, one thing could be like um, a big unknown, a big stressor, and it's pulling energy from even the rhythm that you currently have and the way that you've set up and organized things. Then, boom, you get hit with that thing that you have to disrupt the whole thing, right? Now, the beauty of it is, is it's, I would almost consider it the way that a, a wound would heal. Like, yeah, you might get, it's it's shock when something disrupts it, but then you put a Band-Aid on it and Neosporin and it grows right back into place and you're back in moving, right? And, and it's highly adaptive when you have it in a really, really good flow because even those really big disruptors, like... They can only disrupt the system at at scale to where you almost got to start over. When you just when the when the system's really hard for you to do, it's new yeah. for you. It's not as automated and certainly not optimized yet. But at the level I'm at, I, I'm everything has been moved to automation and optimization in such a way that even how I reflect um, or react to things that come in and disrupt it has systems. Right. And for me, it's like because it's not even necessarily about like what sets in to disrupt it. Sometimes my wife will be bummed and like I would have been a little bit tired that day. I'll clear the rest of the day and take her to the movies. You know what I mean? Like just so like I can help her get back and feel good. And and I have the control of the system to be like reschedule all this and just send it down, push that one into next week's meeting. Like I have the ability to do that because at the end of the day. The, the rhythm of existence is sort of the flow of how you live your life, but you never, ever, you never, ever want to be like trapped to that flow, right? Because then it would be too rigid and, and you would get sick of it, right? It's like that flow should be giving you energy and basically making life easier for you. But if it becomes like, this militant routine structure that you hate, that you're just trying to stay inside, then it's built wrong. And ultimately it's built too rigid and it's, it's not behind the concept, you know, because for me, man, I'm, 
as the years go by and I keep implementing even more and more systems, you know, I had a pipe burst mm-hmm. in my house that blew, blew my entire house apart. Now, it was nothing more than making a phone call to an assistant who's already knows who's like the plumber that we use that came out, found it, fixed it, already called the people that would fix the drywall and everything. So I, it got my gym a little bit wet when I'm at the gym at seven in the morning, but all we had to do, all I had to do in my disruption was put towels down and make a phone call. And yeah. by the evening it's fully fixed and patched up and done. Right. And, and again, if that was someone that didn't have the 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 rhythm and the systems in place, I could have blew the whole day apart. Now your whole house is flooded. Now you can't work out. Now you're going to have to like stay there. You're going to go through and try to find a plumb, like, you, you know, all these sort of things. And an unusual example, just because it happened like uh, yesterday, uh, it makes me really sad. There's, I'm going to tell you right, there ain't nothing more soul wrenching than when a pipe in the center inside guts of your house that you have to smash through a wall to find. It's the most devastating thing that can happen in home ownership, you know. Um, but look, but that's my, listen to me, the way that you think and talk, you know, I, I think you already think about systems and know how you can apply them. And I think that it, the, if you can begin to look at your life through my health and my mind and my finances, my career, um, the relationships and people in my life and my, my spare time and my adventure and fun and what I love to do. If you can, if you can begin to apply systems to each of those, um, and, and figure out, um, different aspects inside those of where you want to grow since you already think the way that I think and build your own rhythm as I think your partner does as well. I think if you apply that way of thinking, you'll start to see the results and your quality of life and your energy that'll give you more clarity on, on the business that you're creating and ultimately the life that you're creating. Cause I know you got it in you from the way you talk, you know what I mean? Thank you. All right. Well, look, man, it was a pleasure having you on. I, I look forward to seeing how, how the business evolves and, and, and keep us uh, informed as you get things going. I appreciate it. It was an honor. All right. Be thank good. You. All right. That's it for our show. Um, as always, thank you all for tuning in and listening. You know, if you love the show and you listen to the show, hit us with some, some reviews. Hit us with some feedback, you know. Uh, like subscribe wherever you listen or watch you know it's it's really helpful we love uh seeing how the community reacts to the episodes and the entrepreneurs and sort of the knowledge that we share together um and 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 as always you want to be a part of our world go to deerdickmachine.com but above all man you're the visionary of your life so you gotta see it It's the plan that makes it happen. That's where you believe it. And you, only you, can actually do it. Until next time, it's your boy Rob.